0: On the last episode of Solvable, a truck driver named Ted alerted the Jackson County Sheriff's Office to an adult's body floating the Pascagoula River off I-10 in Southern Mississippi. When Deputy Mike Waugh responded to the call, he mistakenly began his search at a bridge further east on the interstate, a bridge that stretched over the Escatawpa River, not the Pascagoula River. There, he spotted the dead body of a baby girl in the river. So, by sheer chance, the sheriff's office had two bodies they were looking for on the same day in two different rivers, one right next to the other. And when investigators tried to reconnect with the truck driver who reported the first body, he was nowhere to be found.
1: According to an autopsy report given to us by the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, The little girl, known as Baby Jane, weighed between 20 and 25 pounds and would have stood two and a half feet tall. When she was found, she was barefoot and wearing only a red and white checkered dress and disposable diaper. Her strawberry blonde hair with loose curls was about shoulder length, and she had either brown or blue eyes. Due to the state that her body was in when authorities found her, her eyes were clouded and it was difficult to make out their true color. When the pathologist conducting her autopsy measured her stage of decomposition, those readings indicated that she had died not long before entering the water. It was highly likely she'd died somewhere in the ballpark of 36 to 48 hours before being found on the morning of December 5th, 1982. Despite being described as well-nourished, she had no food in her stomach and her bladder and bowels were empty indicating it had likely been days since her last meal or drink. The pathologist used Baby Jane's 12 little teeth to estimate her age. She was roughly one and a half years old. The report states she died from suffocation, but at the time, drowning was considered synonymous with that ruling.
0: Baby Jane Doe lived only 18 months before her life was cut short in the dark waters of the Escatapa River. For law enforcement, so many questions remain. Like who was this child? How did she end up in the river? Then there were the reports of a woman seen holding a baby on the same stretch of highway just two days earlier. Could the baby in that story have been baby Jane? If so, where was her mother? And most important of all, where was truck driver Ted? who'd reported seeing a body in the Pascagoula River, the body whose clothing closely matched the description of the wandering mother. As deputies struggled and ultimately failed to locate the truck driver to get additional information, the Jackson County flotilla continued their search with the limited information they'd received up until that point. The search involved boats scouring both the Escatapa and Pascagoula Rivers. Reports even indicate that the river was dragged in hopes of recovering anything or anyone below the surface. But nothing turned up. No body, no further clues. Nothing that helped investigators identify Baby Jane.
1: But even though searching Jackson County waterways got police nowhere with Baby Jane's case, they did find something else of extreme interest. Just three days after pulling Baby Jane's body from the Escatawba River, another gruesome discovery was made downstream. Flotilla crews stumbled upon another body. This time, it was severely decomposed and the skeletal remains of a young man. Here's Jackson County Sheriff's Office evidence technician Jeremy Miller to explain.
2: As they were looking, they found Baby Jane and, looking for the mother, found the skeletal remains of a black male that was upper teens to mid-twenties in age, uh, fully clothed and uh, appeared to have a gunshot wound in the back of the head and had been laying there for six months? No, like three years. This is fully skeletal.
1: What are the chances of that? hmm Had searchers not been out scouring for clues in baby Jane and her supposed mother's case, who knows how long it would have been before this young man would have been discovered, or if he'd been discovered at all. Sadly, to this day, this man is still without a name, even after nearly 40 years. He's one of nearly 14,000 does, whose case is recorded in NamUs.
0: NamUs is the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, which is described as the National Information Clearinghouse and Resource Center for missing, unidentified, and unclaimed persons cases across the United States. The case information for this John Doe, discovered on December 8, 1982, describes him as approximately 18 to 22 years old standing at a height of five foot six, and weighing only 120 pounds. He had a scar on the left side of his forehead from a healed injury and was wearing blue jeans. There's also an artist's rendering of what he may have looked like in life, which we've provided a link to on our website at www.solvablepodcast.com. Someone, somewhere, may know who he is and be able to help give him back his name.
1: After the body of John Doe was recovered, no additional findings were made in Baby Jane's case, and nothing ever turned up regarding the body in the blue checkered shirt reportedly spotted in the Pascagoula River either. Having no answers was extremely unusual for Jackson County flotilla captains. In all their combined years of experience, they had a very high body recovery rate. In our interview with Lewis Seaman on his boat last summer, we asked how many bodies over the years the flotilla has been unable to locate. He said the only ones he could remember were a few small children. Have there been people you couldn't find? Oh, uh, see, so we've got three babies. Since I've been in, we look Up in Sandy Slough, up there the sand shifts real bad. And we was got kind of figure, you know, yeah. so they got under the sand. The only thing left for law enforcement to do in 1982 was to try and identify baby Jane Doe with the technology that they had at the time, which wasn't much. They, like everyone else in Jackson County, thought surely this little girl belonged to someone, a family, anyone. There had to be someone missing her.
0: While our team was in Jackson County last year, we visited the sheriff's office and met with Chief Deputy John Ledbetter. After talking in his office for a while about baby Jane, out of the blue, he called a former investigator assigned to the case. Her name is Terry Burns Hansen. Ledbetter knew Terry would remember the case and be a great resource to take us back to the events that happened during the initial investigation. Through her years of service, Terry has worked many cases, but to her, the case of Baby Jane is different. It's haunted her for nearly four decades.
3: Hello.
2: Hey, is this Miss Terry Hanson? Yes, it is. Miss Hanson, this is John Ledbetter, in Jackson County Sheriff's Office. Oh, hello. How are you doing?
3: Fine. How are
2: you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I've, uh, I talked to Jimmy McAnally this morning on the phone, uh-huh. and he. He referenced you, and I think he contacted you today.
3: Yes, he did. He called me early this morning.
2: Okay. What we're doing is uh, we're, we're looking at the old 1982 case on the interstate, Baby Jane case.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we're, we're gathering information, and we're trying to, trying to do our best to get DNA evidence sure. and, and get, get some identification done. And in the process, what we're going to do do you mind uh, Do you mind sharing some things with us, uh, uh, some of your experiences and some of your information? It, oh, of course not. Okay. What do you
0: need? With Terry on board and willing to help, it was time to get more information. I've been
3: having, over the last, well, 38 years, I guess it's been, I've been having these nightmares ever since I had my son. Uh, he looked just like her when I was carrying her to do the autopsy and uh i never was able to solve that case
0: terry vividly remembers the december morning in 1982 when baby jane was found
3: and we just happened to get called in you know they said hey we've got a possible body out there and we when we got there they told us it was a child and that's when um when they finally recovered her they gave her to me and i took her in an ambulance to the hospital and uh it was dr I want to say it was uh, Dr. McGarry or it was
2: McGarry. Yeah, he was a pathologist here for years. Yeah, McGarry.
3: He he was the one that helped me uh, put together that kit.
1: The kit Terry is referring to is a collection of samples from Baby Jane's body. Terry was there for part of Baby Jane's autopsy. After the pathologist collected the samples, she personally drove them to the state lab for further analysis and storage.
3: It was 18 months. His guesstimate was 18 months, his best guesstimate. So we did two years just to be safe. All the kids that we could narrow within Jackson County, uh, Green County, mainly it was uh, Pascagoula Hospital. And then uh, Dr. Lee at the time was the ER doc. He made some calls. He helped out and what we did was we were just trying to narrow down um any children of that age group how many were born in the counties closest to us and they reached out to Harrison County as well trying to see you know if we could catch up with all these children you know that were possibly born or were they around or could they could we sure that they were alive and well there was no use we couldn't we couldn't find anyone missing and then um you know, at the same time, I was checking on the clothing, and uh, it was—I think it, I think it was cradle togs, and and it was made out of Texas. And I sent all that into the crime lab. Of course, it had been in the water, but um, you know, we were hoping where was
1: it distributed? Was there much media attention on the case? No, no.
0: Terry is just one of many people we've interviewed for this show who has expressed how this case has stuck with them for decades, we get a sense of just how deeply Baby Jane's story shook the citizens of Jackson County. When her funeral service was eventually held in a local church, 200 community members, complete strangers to Baby Jane, poured into the sanctuary to mourn a life unknown to them, but valued nonetheless. Baby Jane was laid to rest in a grave paid for in part by members of the community, Local businesses, a church, and citizens came together to ensure that she received a proper burial. In an interview with Chief Deputy Ledbetter, we learned just how much mystery surrounding this unnamed little girl affected everyone in Jackson County at the time.
2: Her headstone reads, known only to God. Did you see that online? And, you know, that would be great if we could put a name on that tombstone and have it changed. but more than that to get, why did this even happen? How did this happen? How did she end up off the interstate?
1: Baby Jane's poignant memorial service made everyone in Jackson County take pause. But like we see so many times in law enforcement, investigators working her case didn't have the luxury of pressing pause on their work. Investigator Terry Burns Hansen had to push forward. But it seemed like everywhere she turned to follow leads, she repeatedly found herself hitting dead end after dead end. Every missing child case she looked into that matched baby Jane's age, gender, and description, the child always ended up being accounted for. After years of getting nowhere, Terry had to reluctantly move on with her other cases, but she never forgot baby Jane. She always held on to hope that one day, the case would be solved. The case remained at a standstill for 26 years, until one day. It was assigned to a current Jackson County investigator, who would bring the haunting cold case into the 21st century. In 2008, 26 years after Baby Jane's body was recovered from the Ascatawba River, the case was assigned to Jackson County Investigator Pope Manning. In
4: 2007, I came on. 2008, I had went to the captain of CID. And I had heard about this case for many years. And requested, if there's a possibility, I could reopen it. And got the go-ahead and... We we hit the ground running. So you got hired say. in '07, and you got you reopened
1: '08. In '08. 08. In 08. What was uh, what caused you to do that?
4: It's hard. It was heartbreaking. There was a lot of people here in Jackson County that wanted closure. Um. Just the thought of that little girl dying alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely.
0: During the nearly two decades that this case grew cold, citizens of Jackson County and vigilant internet sleuths had played an important role in keeping the interest in Baby Jane's case alive. Right around the time that Hope Manning began looking into the case, she discovered that a memorial was going to be held for Baby Jane. A group of local women had organized the vigil and wanted the event to not only draw attention to Baby Jane's case, but also to get information related to other local missing or unidentified people in Jackson County. Which, as it turns out, there were a lot. One of the women who spearheaded this event is named Lynn.
3: Well, I mean, it was nice. I mean, we had, like, a a table set up. and We had some, um, like, we had a guest book, and people signed it. And then we had, um, Ellen had just started one of her her websites um, called... Mississippi Missing and Unidentified, and she had a few business cards and stuff that she put up. Um, I had some little pamphlets made up, you know, that people could could read, and I showed a little video of some of the people that were, that had been missing from Mississippi.
0: So, not only was Baby Jane memorialized by the Jackson County community back in 1982 and by so many law enforcement officers who'd carried the torch in her case over the years, but this little unidentified girl's legacy was still remembered by people in 2008 and even now. That is incredible, and it is just an amazing reminder of how much this story resonates with the people in southern Mississippi.
1: For five years, Hope Manning was the lead investigator assigned to the case, and she really focused her attention on reviewing old files, reports, and evidence, hoping to find some scrap of new information that had not been explored.
4: When I first got the case is when I really started trying to find interviews or find something other than just a typed report.
1: Through those five years, were there people that you, I know I read some articles that you had some people in mind that you thought were maybe suspect or involved with it.
4: Yes, and several so, people.
1: And so what led you to Um,
4: We've had different murders here in Jackson County. Names, certain people would basically implement themselves into the investigation. So that threw, you know, red flags. Um... It was just so much. Um, once I got into it, it was it was so overwhelming. Because of the outreach from the public, they're wanting this solve, close, she deserves this. Um, but we only had so many leads. I mean, we didn't have a lot to go with, but what I had, we hit the ground running. We executed search warrants in Florida, um, just by getting information, you know, coming in, people, you know, possibility, you know, them thinking that, yes, this could be my sister, this could be a cousin. So anything that we got like that, you know, in reference to there's a possibility, even if it was just closure for them, whether they were or not, we, you know, We tried to do everything we possibly could. In
1: 2008, 2009, and 2012, advancements in DNA technology had come light years from where they were in 1982. Also by that time, small pieces of information, or what some in law enforcement like to call tips, had trickled in, and Hope began chasing those down as well. So with those two things falling into place, she took the next logical step in trying to identify baby Jane. She requested an exhumation order for the body. But, on the day of the exhumation, the dogged investigator encountered something completely unexpected. The little baby girl who everyone, including Hope Manning, had assumed had laid all those years alone in death. In fact, was not alone.
4: The day we went to the cemetery to exhume her body is when the second
0: one. That's on the next episode of Solvable.